so you got into the house guests and you guys were gigging you caught the attention of or george or someone told george you guys were kind of like funkadelic we um, we we always heard that we were like funkadelic never saw them never saw them until we became funkadelic man y'all remind us of, of the funkadelic man y'all remind us of this group the funkadelic man oh we're like okay we always hear that but we never saw these guys you know and when we got we were going to Detroit because our whole thing was stick and move, stick and move. We constantly moved around, traveled as much as we could to venture out and, and be exposed and be seen and share whatever. Because our thing was, see, we played all original music. We didn't play top 40 and nothing like that. We played all original stuff. So we were constantly trying to get out there and let people hear our wares and show our wares and this and the other. So Malia Franklin, uh, I love her so much. I, I wish she was with us to this day. Uh, she kind of like fell for me and we winded up and she took us in. She took us home. You know, that, that was kind of like my thing. You know, I, I found somewhere for, for, for us to go and eat and be able to sit down and lay down or whatever. And then they take the whole group. So she took us home and, uh, uh, when we come from Cincinnati to Detroit, and uh, plus she had a, her sister was was married to George Clinton. So she was telling George, George, you need to see these guys, man. You need to see these guys, man. These boys are crazy, man. Blah, 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 blah. They funkadelic, girl. And at, the, at that moment, just, just to show you how time works itself out, uh, George needed a band because he's having trouble with original guys. Mm -hmm. Kind of like with Jane Brown. I'm just thinking about that. I'm just focusing in on that now. George is having a problem with, with this guy. So he wanted another band. He wanted to go in another, and he wanted to go in a totally new direction. When he saw us, it messed him up because he saw Funkadelic. But at the same time, he heard horns the first time. And he heard arrangements, dynamics, you know, and breakdowns and all this stuff. And because the original funk, that thing was groove. They, groove. they hit you with a groove. One guy started groove, funky though. And then somebody has to come in, somebody has to come in, and then it's ride it. But we play, we could do that, but we could also play arrangements and dynamics. And we had horns. And George heard, and we were funky, you know, and George heard it. And he said, um, he said, um, I need a band. He said, I'm gonna make a deal with you. He said, y'all come and help me do what I need to do right now. And I promise you, you know, I'll help y'all get a deal and become stars. And uh, one hand, watch the other hand, and it worked out that way. He wound up with a great band. He in the parliament, they wound up with a great band. We taught George the, the, uh, the, the, the theory of the one, you know, we, we made him understand different things about music that he wasn't focusing on and uh, showed him dynamics and, how to kill arrangements, you know, because that was our thing. And uh, what he showed us, one thing that I, <laughs> one thing that I always tip my hat to George for, George's thing was, although he wasn't in the very beginning, he wasn't, he wasn't nearly as sharp mu musically as he is now, but George's thing, when nobody gonna outshine him on stage, when nobody gonna outdo him on stage, whatever he had to do, if he had to hurt himself or whatever, he was gonna be the one everybody was talking about. 
Yeah. You know. So when you first met George, what what did you kind of make of him? What kind of impression did he have on you? He was cool. I mean, like uh, we 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 dug him. We dug him. You know, and like we were, and we heard so much about us being like Funkadelic, being like Funkadelic, until we were we were curious and interested. And uh, he went right in. George went right in. He went right to work. You know, he said, "Hey, let's start recording." The very first song that I recorded was uh, "Call My Baby Pussy" uh, mm-hmm. on the uh, on the uh, America East is Young project. And I did that. Uh, Prakash John was, was the bass player on that. He wound up being with Alice Cooper for years. Mm-hmm. Alice Cooper's bass player. Uh, and that was the first song that I did. We, we walked straight into the studio when we got with George. You know, he 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 didn't hesitate. He got right on it, you know. And um, yeah, those those were some amazing shows. I I honestly wish that uh, we had. It wasn't a lot of footage being being taken back then. I wish we had some footage of those shows because those shows were amazing. Those shows were like religious oh man i can only dream about it i mean that's that's like a holy grail right there they were like religion man and that's when funk was a bad word you couldn't say funk on the radio you couldn't say it on tv you couldn't put it in public print because it was considered one of those four-letter words you know and uh what we had was uh we were underground we had an all-white following it was very unique Uh, college kids and that another and what they would do they would follow from city to city from town to town and they would spread the word and we would sell out like that, you know, it was crazy. And what was really crazy about that was we went through that up until we started getting those deals with Warners and and, and, he, and Casablanca and East Label. And and what that what that made happen was now all of a sudden funk went, went from profanity to it's a household word now. Now we went from the underground white, all white following to now we got a black fan base that's crazy man were you were you also on um up for the downstroke and chocolate city uh uh i know bootsy's on chocolate city yeah yeah bootsy is uh i'm i'm not gonna say no i'm not gonna say no I, i don't remember all that stuff. I did a lot of stuff, and uh, and like I said, they, they we were moving so fast, man. I'm gonna tell you this. I'm gonna tell you this. Uh, things come to mind when we were with James, and we were we were doing all this recording and all that stuff. James had a composer by the name of Dave Matthews. You ever heard the name? Only the not 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 that Dave Matthews. Yeah, no, not this that is, one. This is original Dave Matthews. Yeah. This is before him. Anyway, he's a great guy, uh, a great composer. And what he would do, he would walk around the studio and he'd hear me play a funky beat and he'd say, Frankie, would you mind playing that again? And I'd play, I said, what you gonna do with it, Dave? He said, well, I'm gonna I'm write it out and I got drummers in New York that want funky beats. He said, no, well, I said, so I'm impressed. I'm, I, feel, I feel honored, you know, I'm a little guy, you know what I mean? I wasn't even smart enough to say, well, hey man, What's, what am I getting off of it? If you're going to sell it to, the, to another, you know, I, I wasn't that smart. So anyway, he write it out and I could read music. 
So I, I saw that he wrote it out correctly. And, uh, and he did that on a constant basis. And what I found out, say like 30 years later, we were in Hong Kong, Tokyo, doing the Tokyo Jazz Fest. And I ran into this guy. <clears throat> I felt him more than I recognized him because I couldn't put it together exactly who he was. And I just asked him, I never done this before. I said, hey, I said, should I know you? And he looked at me and said, Frankie? I said, yeah. He said, Dave Matthews. I said, hey, Dave. I said, wow, man, how are you? Blah, 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 blah. And he, he's very renowned in the jazz world now. So he has a jazz, jazz ensemble, just that other, that travels the circuit. He said, well, come over and meet the guys. So I went to, his, uh, to their transportation, said hello to the guy. I said, hey, man, how did everybody? Blah, 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 blah. I said, yeah, me and Dave. Blah, blah. I, said, I said, funny story. I said, you know, Dave used to, uh, compose and write out my my drum beats and and share them with the, his drummer buddies. You know, he's, he said, "Let me let me holler at you for a minute." He took me around the corner. He said, "I got to tell you something." And he looked so solemn and so sad. He said, "James Brown hired me just to compose and copyright everything I ever heard you guys play." Mm -hmm. I said, "Wow!" So literally, what that's saying is, before we walked out the studio. James own whatever we play, you know, and and he and, and the guy felt so bad because he knew that James had made him a part of totally taking advantage of us because we were young, naive, naive, innocent, stupid, you know, just having fun, love to play, want to play all day, every chance we got. And he said, I've been trying to get in touch with you and Boosie for so long. He said, the only reason I can tell you now because James passed away not too long ago. You know, and uh, uh, I share that. I don't share that with too many people, but so that shows you kind of who James was in a whole different light. Yeah, it's okay, man. It's okay. It's so it's okay because he he did what he felt that he had to do. You know, but well, well, he uh, did he did what he saw the those before him doing to artists. I mean, it kind of got passed along. I guess. I guess. Yeah. But but uh. But the guy really felt terrible, man, because he knew that we were taking total total advantage of, and he even made a part of it. And that's not why he went to school and learned how to compose music and learn his craft. And that's not that that wasn't part of the deal for him. And he winded up in that mix like that. <clears throat> but yeah, but he was probably glad to get that off his chest. Yeah, man, you could see it in his face and. Only reason I share that, which is a tie back into when I said about James being kind of ruthless and cold, cold, cold hearted, you know. Yeah. Uh, so George uh, was we, the opposite. Jo well, okay, okay. Well, then, well, then, well, then uh, uh, James had that regimented military staunch ABCSYZ one, two, three type thing happening. Mr. Brown with a suit and a tie, blah, 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 blah. Oh, that's cool. George's thing was, and when we got with George, we asked him, uh, what did he want? He, and he stopped us in our track. He said, don't ask me nothing. He said, y'all do whatever y'all do what y'all do. He said, you know, don't ask me. And the funny thing about it, a lot of people don't realize when we were with James, Jimi Hendrix tried to hire us to be his band because he wanted to go in a more black direction. That would have been something to hear. Check this out from the experience. He wanted to go in a more black direction and we fit the description for him. It worked perfectly. But he needed, a, he needed us to quit so he could 
Because back then, artists didn't take from another artist. You quit, they pick you up. And, and the guys, although me and Boosie, we really loved Jimmy, I was ready to do it, but they were concerned about quitting and maybe not getting picked up. So it didn't happen. Uh, to make a long story short, so by us not doing that, what do you think happened with Jimmy? Was that before or after Band of Gypsies? There you go. Band of Gypsies. Buddy Miles, Buddy Miles and Billy Cox. Yeah, yeah. That that would have been us. Uh, that would have been us. Well, that's good stuff, but I would still love to hear the you guys with them too. Oh yeah, but but no, no, I mean I made that point to 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 share this with you. We didn't get that. We got George Clinton and Funkadelic. So we got from one side of the gamut to the other. Yeah. You know, we got to we got to break that mode of being harnessed in and now we're freed up to go wherever we can go. And we needed it very badly. So Cash, tell tell me what it felt like to be in, you know, United Sound or in that whole environment, you know, when you said you were kind of losing track of the projects you're on and there was so much going on and George was producing everything. What was it like to be right in the middle of all that? Same type of thing. It was like a, it was like a uh, what do you call it? Uh, what do you call it? Ah, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Like a, like a, like a factory. Um, what do you call it? Um, a plant. Um, uh, it's, uh, anyway, it was assembly so much going, line. Assembly line, exactly. It was so much going on in so many rooms. We were just recording. We were just recording. And then if something came up good for this act, or that act, or this act, or that, you know, very seldom did we go in and do something specific for one artist. You know, we just went in and recorded, you know. And um, same type of thing, you know. It, it, it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't specific, you know. You know, we went in to... Do me whoever whoever could get a room, go in there and do what you can do. You know, when you get done, let somebody else go in and do what they can do. You know, and that's how we recorded for a long time. And what was really crazy was we were up in there actually competing with Motown without even realizing because that's not what that that wasn't our point of focus. We weren't competing with nobody. And I'll tell you what we did do that was genius. We didn't watch TV and we didn't listen to the radio. When we were being creative, when we were in a creative process, Isolated. yeah, 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 we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we we didn't do any of that because what we didn't want, we didn't want to be recording, and then lo and behold, your song sounds like something on the radio because it's in your brain, it's what you've been listening to. So we were that smart. We didn't watch TV, and we didn't listen to the radio. That's why our music stands up to this day. You know, you know, that music was literally a lifestyle. It was a way of life. That's what we were living, you know. You know what I mean. It wasn't when we. It wasn't a fad or a fashion or what we were trying to trying to do or trying to be. It's what we were really living. It was a whole you know, mythology. We, we believed it. We believed it. You know, we believed what we were doing. So, mm -hmm. so you paid your dues and you and you did all the sessions and George came through for you because you got to put this out eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So, were were you pretty excited and thrilled when this finally saw the the light of day? Absolutely, absolutely. And what happened, um, um, house guests, 
house guests evolved into Funkadelic, which we just discussed. Then we left Funkadelic for a minute because now we're prepping for the rubber band. So we left Funkadelic and then we called ourselves Complete Strangers. The Complete Strangers. Now the Complete Strangers was a segue into that transition of becoming a rubber band. You know, and we would travel around. And what we were doing, we were getting back into our own again. So we would travel around and uh, we complete strangers, formerly James Brown JBs, formerly Parliament Funkadelic. We did it like that. And, and uh, we circulated that who we were that way. We, we severed the ties uh, 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 in a matter of speaking. But actually, we never did break away from Funkadelic. We always remained Funkadelic. But we wanted to make that split so that the project would have individuality. And uh, after we did that Complete Stranger thing, then that segued into Boosie's Rubber Band. You know? And, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then George was right there, you know. George had a lot to do with it being called the Rubber Band, cause he that's what he that's what came to mind when he heard us play Rubber Band, you know, you know. Uh, and uh, he helped uh, help Boosie develop into an artist, you know. And that whole thing, man, it was, it was a beautiful thing, you know. And and did, it's, and it's never it's never stopped doing what it does. Did did you see? That in Bootsy too before then, or were you kind of? Oh, Bootsy always had an it. He always had an it thing, it factor. But uh, we always had a front man. We always had a front man, you know. Uh, and sometimes he wasn't the strongest guy in the group, but we just needed somebody in front, you know. And Bootsy never tried to be the lead singer or nothing like that. So I was a bass player, killing back there, killing, you know, me, him, and Catfish, but. Uh, he always had that it thing. He always had a little little something about him that made him stand out without being uh, too pushy. Just being natural, you know what I mean? Like he did a thing years ago. Uh, he For some reason, you know, because we were very limited as far as personnel is concerned because we couldn't afford, we couldn't afford two guitar players. We couldn't afford a keyboarders. We could afford me, Boosie Catfish, and a couple of horn players. That's what we could afford. So when it came to things like, man, she'll be nice to have a tramp, a tramp, uh, a tramp, uh, trampoline, uh, uh, trampoline player. Uh, uh, Boosie said, well, hey, we ain't got one. So I put it on my foot and played the trampoline while I'm playing bass. Mm-hmm. And that became like one of his things, you know what I mean? And it wasn't trying to be showy. It's just that we really wanted to hear some trampoline while we playing, and he did Creative. it that way. Yeah, yeah, be, yeah, exactly. In fact, making something out of nothing, you know, making something out of nothing. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, Boosie always had that it thing. And then when it came time to do the rubber band, uh, we, we put him out there because he had that he had that animated thing. He he. I watched uh, I watched how kids react to him. Kids react to him like he's what's that big old purple uh, dinosaur thing? Barney. Yeah, yeah. When, when little kids sing, they just yeah. crack up, man. They just they just feel like he's their big old toy or whatever, you know. Yeah, that was really the kid connection on this one, especially. 
Oh yeah, and and then we uh yeah exactly, and then we could tell that he had that thing, so we didn't stand in the way, but we we supported it, and we helped him hone you know hone in on that, and we called his name out, you know, Bootsy, y'all say Bootsy, whatever, you know what I mean? Cause we trying to get over now, you know, and uh, uh, that's my brother. I talked to him a couple of days ago. He's good, you know. Oh, he's so busy right now with the new release. I mean, so the yeah, place. Yeah. So that's yeah. Glad, glad he's back after all those years. But um, when you when you and Catfish and Bootsy were just locked into it, man, just locked into a groove, you know, like um, Pinocchio Theory or Stretching Out or something like that. What was it like to be at the center of that and just feeling that? That's a that's a tricky question because to be honest with you, we were just doing us, man. So you got to understand, we grew up doing that. We grew up doing that, not to mention, like I said, we couldn't afford other guys. You know, we couldn't afford keyboarders. A second, the first time we used a second guitar player, which was a lead guitar player, and Catfish played rhythm, and, and, and a keyboarder was when we became Funkadelic. The Bernie Warrell, and the, Bernie Warrell was our first keyboarder, mm. you know? That's what, a pretty what good a one to have. What, what, what a treat! What a treat, huh? <laughs> yeah. And then we had then we had a guitarist by the name of Earl Bean. Yeah. Earl Bean uh, was a Memphis boy, and uh, what a nice, smart guy, man. Good player, man. You know, and these guys really helped uh, help raise us, helped helped us make that transition. You know, because we had to realize, hey, we can do it different now. We got help. You know. And, and uh, yeah, it's quite amazing, quite amazing time. And what uh, you guys just the whole lineup, top to bottom. I mean, you had you know Fred Wesley and Maceo doing the horns for you guys. Well, you know, well, you know, right back to James Brown again. What we did, cause see how James, we never really liked how James brought us in on those guys. That wasn't fair to them, cause he snuck and done it. He snuck and did that. When he had Bobby Bird come and get us from Cincinnati, are you with me? Yeah. When he brought us to Columbus, Georgia, yeah, that, gig, was, yeah. that, that was that was Fred Mazio's name gig. So we never liked how he made us a pawn mm -hmm. in that scheme, you know. And so what we did to show you how God sorts things out. When we got in position, we went back and got Fred Mason and Cushman. You know, screw that. You know, screw James. You know, we went back and got those cats. It wasn't never supposed to happen. First of all, they weren't supposed to like us that much. You know, and we were supposed to be quote unquote assholes. If it if it if it had went the way that it was sought to sought to go, right? But uh, we went and uh, got those guys to be our horn players, man. So we brought the whole thing together the way it should have been initially. If James had been smarter, he would have done that. Mm. You know, because we got we Slipped we, we got fingers. the elite. Yeah, we got the Slipped elite. We got the fingers. <laughs> exactly. We went. We got the elite horn players with the with the killer rhythm section. You know, and bam, the rest is history. Uh, uh, we 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 didn't have to be smart enough to know, hey, man, go get these guys. But we were open to 
the blessing. We were open to, to the blessing of, 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 of being focused enough and clear enough to understand, hey, we need some more players. Hey, these are the guys we always looked up to. You know, these are the guys we always love. They're not doing a lot right now because maybe because of us a little bit. How about this? Let's go get these guys. And then let's become a family. And not only did we do that, we did it in a very respectful way. We gave Fred and Mason and those guys their own thing. Fred Wesley and the Horny Horns. Yeah. You know, we didn't just make them, you know, horn, horn, horn players for the band. You know, we gave them their own thing. Yeah, so and uh, how much more we got to go? That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so, so that just shows you, that shows you what God loves and how God works his plan, man. That wasn't supposed to happen. Well, that was supposed to be, when we came to Columbus, Georgia, to National Guard Army, that was supposed to be a done deal. Never want to see us again. We never see them again. We don't care about them. They don't care about us. Blah, blah, blah. What we did, we came to grips with the fact that it was James. And each, each, each side came to, came, came to grips with the fact that it was James. And when we did, then we understood, hey, man, this stuff that we can do. You know, we need to be together. James didn't want us together. You know, we need to want to be together. And we did, and the rest is history, you know. Those first three records especially, um, how much um, influence or involvement did, did George have on these records? Uh, George would always have some form of influence or another because he 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 didn't get in our way. He didn't try to uh, make us do one thing or another. But what he did was he the biggest part of his infraction was to show Boosie what it what it what it took to be a star, a front guy. See, Boosie came from the back. So George showed, well, no, I, I'll give you a good example. We played one night, this, this is just one example. We played one night and we were, we were digging in. We were, we, were, we, were, we were paying the bills, right? And uh, Boosie, Boosie broke a string and, and we were so locked in, it threw him, it threw him off, you know? And uh, he, uh, he lost it, and he, oh, 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 he, 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 you know, he panicked, you know, and then uh, George said uh, after the show, George said, "Talk to him." He said they like to hear you talk. He said, "Talk to him." And then change your string while you're talking. And what did he tell him that for? He never shut up from that point on. <laughs> you know, you know. I mean, it was a good thing, but I mean, he. he so th those are the kind of things that George did. Uh, we did another thing, just small examples. We were playing Roto Rooter, and we were playing somewhere. And and actually, the beat on Roto Rooter was uh, straightforward. Straightforward on the on on the snare. And George, we went a, we went a hard and echoed real bad. And George said, "Cut that in half." So it doesn't echo so bad. So I went from chatum 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 to doom doom ba doom doom ba doom doom. And it changed the whole thing. It wasn't nothing lost in the song, and it made it really powerful and solid. 
you know, so George would always, George would also, when we broke away, because we all started out together, when we broke away and picked up momentum where we could do stuff on our own, George would come to our gigs. He would make a special trip, take a private flight or whatever to our gigs to uh, check us out and then fly to do his gig. I mean, he was hands-on. He was definitely hands-on. You know. So is he usually around the studio when you cut those records? Yes. Yeah. 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 And did you go out on the mothership tour? Yeah. Yeah. What was what was that experience like, Cash? Yeah. Well, well, we've always been pioneers, so we've always been pretty much first at whatever we try to do. The reason we even did that was um we started making that money and and then uh we realized that we could either take the money and trip and squander it and fall out and and and, and everybody go into a greed mode, or we could take the money and reinvest it in our act. So that's what we try, that's what we set out to do. And when nobody, when no other black acts doing that. So we took the money and reinvested it in ourselves. That's how we got the mothership. You know, which at that time I think was two hundred fifty thousand dollars, unheard of. You know, because most most of the groups back then, they were wearing three piece suits. They had a guitar amp, bass amp, and a keyboard on stage, organ and drums, something like that. When we got done, man, we had such a magnificent production. Until the only way that you could be in the game is that you had to up your, you know, you had to up your step your game up. So all the groups started doing little things to enhance their act, you know. And so it was a good thing because we showed everybody, hey, man, you know, this is how you take your game to the next level. You have to invest in yourself. And, and uh, but we started that out. And, uh, and the, one thing that, that, the one thing that did happen, though, we would always be headliners. And when uh, Big Fuck Up, and whenever other acts would be on our show, they would always come and finale with us because that would be the high point of their night to be up there with the funk and with this big old thing and you know it you know an unbelievable spectacle oh man man it was amazing it was amazing what was it like for you being on stage with maybe like forty thousand people just out of their minds like that and chanting and all that well one thing for me is i came from james brown so it wasn't like when I went to James Brown, we were doing small stuff. And when I got with James Brown, we, was, we went immediately to the big open air venues and sites like that. So when I came from James Brown, I had a taste of that. And then it just elevated. It, it then it just elevated. And everything was so big. And man, we were so busy. We were working so hard. And like I told you, I've been on the road four years straight, nonstop. I wouldn't even sit back in the chair. I was scared I'd go to sleep, you know, miss a flight or something. Uh, um, it, 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 it turned into business with me. You know, it was just business, you know, like, what's next? Okay, what are we doing next? Okay, and then what? And then what? You know, uh, to the point, well, did it become drudgery at some point or you get burned out or you always enjoyed it? I never stopped enjoying it. I never stopped enjoying it. What happened it worked itself out because it got to a point to where, see, at one point it worked perfect because when one act was was out, 
the other one on hiatus. And then the other 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 act went on hiatus, and the other act was out, you know, like that. So it wasn't it wasn't clashing, it wasn't colliding. But all of a sudden everything blew up at the same time. Now, especially me and the horns, we couldn't figure out how to work all these acts. So that's when we we started hiring other guys, you know, other drummers, other horn players, um, um, other cute, you know, we, we, we had to hire other people because everything blew up at once. Brides, you know, toilet, uh, horny horns, P-Funk. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I wouldn't let, only thing that I wouldn't let only thing that I wouldn't let anything get in the way of was the rubber band. Whenever the rubber band went to do something, I'm there. You know, that was an understanding George and I had. That was priority number one. Priority, yeah. You know, I'm co-founding member of that group. That's my group. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I saw you guys at the forum in Los Angeles in 1978 with uh, radio and enchantment on the bill. <clears throat> As a teenager, seeing that, it blew my mind. <clears throat> And I mean, it was like some, it was packed with 17,000 screaming, raving yeah, yeah. Bootsy yeah. fans. And you had the uh, balloons and confetti that came down. Yeah. And they showed a cartoon. Amazing yeah. show. And you guys were yeah. so, so tight. Yeah. Thank you. And then we had a big party because the, the forum had a club. A lot of people didn't realize that they had a private club upstairs. And the acts, the artists would have to go up there and have private parties at the big uh, shows, you know. So we left from down there, we left the dressing room, went up to the party, and like TV Wonders would be there, and all the all the industry people, you know. Forum was the forum was a spot for for a long time. Yeah, especially during Lakers Showtime too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So why do you think the uh, the funk the P Funk Empire kind of splintered apart in the early '80s? Was it just spread too thin, too much going on? Uh, it got too big. It got too big for. We, you, you, you know, when you come from nothing, <laughs> your life experience experiences are, are really they can be excruciating because you know you, 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 you're not ready for half the things that happen. You know what I mean? You haven't been exposed to nothing. You know, you know. So you just drop down in this pot, and you gotta wane for yourself. You know, and learn as you go. If you're lucky. Now, one thing that happened with Boosie, Boosie had gotten a little sick when we did uh, Player of the Year. He went home. He went home, and and it's right at the, it was right at the pentacle of the Robert Band's career. It's right when we did Player of the Year, billboards all over Sunset Boulevard. No, no, Player of the Year. No, I know this was the one after. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, and. Uh, Airplanes flying a name on, on the back of the planes and all that stuff all over the city. So we had it, we were right at the pentacle of, of going major, major, major. And he went home. Um, that's one thing that happened with the rubber band. And then uh, Parliament clashed with, with George a little bit. And, and you know, and, and, and it's nothing new, man. It, it, it's, it's what happened, uh, it's designed that way. It's designed that way, you know. It's almost like uh, let them get a little run, you know, and then 
break them up. <laughs> you know. Well, I know there was a whole thing too with the, the more bounce record and what happened with that. And right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, well, you know, that's, that's, uh, that was funny. That was, that was, that was, that was funny, but they did what they felt like they had to do. And, and, uh, I love those guys, man. They, at one point in time, we stayed, the whole organization stayed in a, in a motel in Detroit called the Balmar. And the whole organization, all the groups, everybody, we had the whole motel. And uh, uh, the Troutmans, they were funny, man. Every time they, they would like peep out of their curtains and whenever they see me walking down the hallway, they wait till I got by the door and they open the door and snatch me in the room. And, and they said, What's going on, Frankie? Come on, man. What's going on? What's really going on? Cool, y'all right? You okay? You okay? They, I mean, they really, they were clueless, but at the same time, they knew that it was some things they needed to do, and they did what they had to do. Uh, I don't, I'm not gonna say right or wrong, uh, but it's what they needed to do at that that time. Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. How'd you get the uh, the nickname Cash? We were up in Toronto, Canada, around the time that we did America East is Young, <clears throat> and uh, we were getting leather stuff made. They they make they make leather stuff up in Toronto. That's almost, you know, like commercial. It's almost like common place, you know, to go get some shoes made or some boots made or some outfits made. Nice stuff too, top notch leather crafting and uh we got shoes and, and, and outfits made i got some boots made because the first time i saw a different color money was in toronto there's always greenbacks you know and i got to toronto and the hundred dollar bills look like candy bar wrappers to me and i said wow i said okay i said i'm gonna make spoof of this money thing now so i got some red and yellow dollar sign boots made and that became my trademark and uh Along with that came the moniker Cash, K-S-H. And uh, that's pretty much how that how that whole thing came about, you know? It's just, I, I you know, cause, cause normally, if I had never went there, even if I had to get boots made with dollar sign, they would have been green. But now I saw this different color money, I said, oh, okay. You know, and to me it made sense, you know? I was just making fun of, fun of, that whole monetary uh, system, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Where do you up to now, and why do you think funk is, you know, persevered or continues to keep on, if you will? Um, what's What's so unique and special about it that um, it's never going to go away? I hope. But funk you know. is funk is funk is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle, and. And uh, it's good medicine. There's not a lot of good medicine in this world today, you know. It's a lot of trickery, you know. You can go, you can go get prescriptions, mm-hmm. and for, for whatever. But it's 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 organic and it's it's good medicine. And uh, something that the world's going to come to grips with when it comes to funk is the fact that funk makes you feel good. It makes you happy. It makes you feel good, you know. And and uh, 
once the world really comes to grips with it, because it's almost hard for the world to come to grips with that because it's not very many things that make you feel good in this, in this, in this lifestyle that we live in. You know, well, funk is one of them. You can go in any door, in any room, in any venue, in any house, in any yard or whatever, and if there's playing funk, if, if there's funk being played, the smile's gonna jump on your face and you're gonna start feeling good, you know? It's not too much that's going on in this world that can that you can describe that way. You know? Absolutely, and it doesn't have to cost much money either. Oh, no, 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 it, 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 it's just, it's a natural phenomenon and, and it's organic, man. It's just, it's good for you, you know, it's good for you. Absolutely, I cannot vouch for that more. Um, so Cash, how do people keep up with you and what are you, what are you busy with most right nowadays? I'm doing a lot of stuff in California right now. We're gonna, uh, we're looking at doing some stuff for our band in in, uh, in 18. So right now I'm doing stuff in California that I never really had a chance to do before because I traveled so much that I couldn't connect on, on, on a local level here. And a local level here is not, not such a bad level to be on, you know what I mean? Because you got cats that's doing music, movie scores and recording, big time sessions and nice gigs and all that kind of thing, you know. Well, finally, I got my niche and I've connected and I'm staying pretty busy. I'm recording a lot, you know, performing. I got my own thing that I host. I call it the Frankie Casualty's Funk House, Funk Jam. And it's in uh, Studio City, uh, like North Hollywood, California. And the venue is, is called Skinny's. And we do that. Uh, the next one is the 19th of November and it's really a fun night. People come out, they jam, they have a great time. I let come I let cat I let cats come and jam. You know, I let them get in where they fit in, you know, and and I just sit back and watch them. I, I play with them too. And I sit back and watch them just be happy, man, you know? And and I get off on it, you know, and they 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 support me hundred percent. They look they look forward to it. I'm also doing a thing with uh Norwood Fisher, Fishbone. Mm-hmm. You know, we're doing a, we're doing something next to this coming Tuesday tomorrow, uh, and we've been doing it every Tuesday this month. I'm doing this with him, and uh, we also back to the mentor thing. We're doing a mentor. We we got a mentorship. Uh, Norwood Fisher, his brother Fish, myself, and some other people, and we're going to underprivileged schools, and 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 talking with kids, spending time with kids, playing music with them and for them. Uh, Answering questions. That's what's most important with kids. Kids got questions. You know, they need answers, you know, and like we're doing that. And uh and yeah, man, I, I feel good about what's going on. Um uh, I feel good about what's going on, you know. I'm I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a position now to where I understand what my obligations are. I understand that I have to share. And I have to teach, and that's my obligation. And I can't violate that, you know. If I'm, if if I approach a kid or a grown up, a grown man, a grown woman, and I can see in their eyes that they're going through some things, are they in doubt? Are they in question? 
you know, the, 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 the least that I could do is say, are you okay? How's everything? What's going on? You know, they say, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm okay. And I'm saying, are you sure? You know, okay, well, if you got something you need to talk about, you can talk to me. You know, and I've done that before. And, I, and as I walk away, I'm well, actually, you know, there is this thing, you know, I'm like, well, okay. You know, and we have to, we have to, we have to, we have to invest that kind of time now of ourselves, man. We have to invest ourselves that way now. You know, we have to give of ourselves that way now. You know, uh, this world is based on uh, you're on your own. You know, I, I can't help you. You know, don't ask me. You know, this world is based on that, and that's and that's all trickery because what that what what that's doing is what that's doing is that's creating distraction. I got a theory now. Whenever I talk to people, I start out this way. I say. I say, first and foremost, you got to understand we are all living someone else's dream. You know, that's one of them. The other one is, you know, like what we need to do is move out of our own way so that we can let happen what's going to happen. You know, because if you don't do that, you're creating your own, you're distracting yourself, you're creating your own distraction. So, you know, I share these kind of things man because i've learned them through trial and error you know yeah. there's been time yeah there's been times that uh i wanted this to happen i want that to happen i want this to happen. i want that to happen and i wanted it so bad and i've tried so hard until i didn't realize that i was getting i was in my own way i was getting in my own way and then once i got out of my own way that path that trail that i was trying to find and go down the path led to me once I moved out my own way, it, it led to me. I didn't have to go to it. It led to me. You know, all I had to do was move. You know, and uh, so I'm sharing this kind of stuff now, man. And I'm feeling good about it, you know, helping along the way. Well, that's a beautiful thing, man. That's great to give back like that. More power to you, Cash. Um, how, how can people best keep in contact with you, though? What's your, your Facebook, your website, all that? I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'll give you my website. Uh, actually, I'll, have you have you seen any of my artwork? I did. That was very interesting. You want to talk about that a little bit? Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's just something that I was approached to do, and it was very interesting. It was very exciting, uh, and it was a new technology. I think I was the first one to do it, uh, where through playing, I created paintings and portraits and stuff like that and uh it was very unique how you do it you can do it in a dark room under infrared uh, light lit cameras and uh and that's the that's the outcome and a lot of people like them a lot of people purchase them uh and but the images that i saw there of the drums so are you doing other things too or just drums drums yeah 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 and it's, it's, it's like a hundred different uh Paintings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When, when did you get into that? Uh, hmm. Maybe four years ago. Yeah, yeah. I've been on that for for a minute now. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people purchase them, and a lot of people are very happy to have them. So that's 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 doing enough for me. Oops. Hey, moving around. All right. Unless you got anything else to add, I'm going to wrap this up. 
Well, hey, you know, this is Frankie Cash, Whitey Funky Drums and Things, Forever Funkin' On. Uh, and uh, be kind to one another and, and teach and, and love and share and do everything that doesn't look cool right now. Everything, everything that don't look cool, no, but I, I'm saying that the wrong way. Everything that looks cool, you know, you might want to do stuff that's not quote unquote cool right now because it, 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 it's cool to share, it's cool to teach, you know, it's cool to correct, it's cool to listen, you know, and and be the best person you can possibly be. Uh, and don't stop and don't try to put a timeline on it. Don't go, well, I'm gonna do this for this amount of time and just keep doing, just keep doing as much as you can do and help this world uh, along, help this world sort itself out, you know. Um, Outstanding. Great. Yeah. Good thoughts. Thanks for everything, Frankie. It's been a blast. Uh, so much of an honor to get to talk to you like this. So much appreciated. And it's a beautiful thing. And, and, and it's, it was a great interview. And I love speaking with you. And at some point, we can talk again, you know, because it's always stuff. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, especially with how busy you are. So we'll have to follow up on a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So just hang tight. I'm going to sign us off here and then we'll be, we'll get out of here. Great. So, going to wrap up this truth and rhythm. Uh, cannot thank enough. Uh, P-Funk legend, Frankie Cashwadi, whose drumming has always been on the money and right on time. <laughs> there you go. Pacemakers. Pacemakers. Yeah. Sincere thank you to listeners and, uh, supporters of the show be sure to look up uh for out for upcoming episodes on funkinstuff.net and on youtube itunes and all those good places drop us a line write me at scott g at funkinstuff.net let me know what you like what you don't like who you might want to see and all that stuff so until next time as always this is scott dr jigsquill fine saying keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one there you go forever funkin on forever funkin on